Hello and welcome to episode 294 of Fergo and the Freak. I'm that bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter at AndrewRLP. And join me as always is the glorious League Freak. You can also find me on Twitter at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm really good, Andrew. How are you doing? I'm um, calm, relaxed, very happy. Had a good weekend. Like a, it was like we had a deep and meaningful conversation for the last hour and a half, eh? Yeah, we... we um, had had a good old chin wag. Yeah, We've got some things off our chest. Yeah, it was like it was like one of those men shed things. Well, I assume it was like one of those. I've never been to one. Yeah, I don't even know where there are them. You it's, only ever hear about them when they either get washed away in a flood or burned down in a bushfire. Hey. Yeah, I assume it's where blokes get together and and cry. <laughs> oh jeez. Take it. That's what goes on. I don't know. Nothing wrong I know with they've got. Cry. I know they've got tools that that are in them because they they lose tools well i mean they should have yeah maybe they cry over lost tools what would be the ultimate men's shed for you uh, a library full of <laughs> full of old big league and rugby league week magazines okay your men's shed sounds like shit i'm sorry <laughs> my men's shed is the greatest men's shed ever i'm just thinking what would be the I can't say what my ultimate men's shed would be. No, no. It, no but it, men's shed, they, I'm sure they're very good and they help people. It's good that they help people. It's good. They do, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, we should move on before we, you know, make bad. <laughs> yeah, my my men's shed would have a cupboard with fireworks in it. Like, it'd be, a, it'd be really dangerous. <laughs> right next to the uh, the cupboard full of naked flames. Yeah, yeah, it'd be right, <laughs> right next to right the open fire. Man, shed's going off again. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, how did we get there? Um, so, Andrew, mm. we've talked a lot about your footy club, right? Yeah. And we've talked a lot about the, like, the play development, the recruitment, the coaching, the staff and stuff the thing i want to ask you about and this was i was thinking about this watching the game i feel like they're giving up in games and we both rate mark mcguire as a very good coach but i've always felt like when a team gives up the way that we're seeing the west tigers give up in in parts of games it doesn't matter what the coach does at that point it's probably time for a new coach but it goes against everything that we've both said about Mark Maguire, and I don't think it's about him. No, as I mean, I know I've said in, in podcasts recently too, what we've got at the West Tigers is a cultural problem because it doesn't matter what coach or players you bring in there, you see the same shit every time. Mm. You see them giving up. You see them turning up to games that everyone knows they should win. Much like this one on the weekend, they're up yeah. against an atrocious Queen, you know, North Cowboy, North Queensland Cowboys team. That's basically a second-rate Queensland Cup team. Yeah. Uh, especially when they don't have Tormalolo on the side, and the West Tigers had been doing okay. Like they'd had a pretty tough run to start the season. Mm-hmm. Um, they played a lot of strong teams. They had a good win against was it the Knights? The Knights, yep. Yeah. Um, and so it looked like they were starting to turn a corner. 
and they were they held in for a long time against Parramatta. And so it looked like things were slowly starting to build in the right direction. And then against the Cowboys, I don't think it was the fact that they they gave up initially. I think they came out thinking, we just need to walk onto the field here and we've got this one. And when the Cowboys realised that the Tigers weren't busting their asses as much as they should do, they lifted an extra 10%. And, and it was just thing, enough to see them get a try, and they built momentum off the back of it. And as we know yeah. in the game right now with the new rules, once you get momentum, it's a fair chance you'll win comfortably. And the thing that got me was it wasn't like the Cowboys were playing ridiculously good football. Oh. Like they were, there were some dumb kicks, there were some stupid passes and stuff. It was literally just an effort gap between the two teams. Yeah, and the the Tigers on paper. Way better team, way, way better side. And the Cowboys, as you say, not a very good team at all. But just the fact that they were putting in effort and the Tigers, to say they weren't putting in effort, it doesn't really express how pathetic they were. Like the Cowboys in that first half whipped them, absolutely whipped them. And the the West Tigers, it was kind of lucky that the scoreline wasn't worse because the Cowboys were doing some silly things. Yeah, it was only because of the Cowboys' uh, mediocrity that they did not lead by a bigger margin at halftime. If the Tigers had been up against any half-decent team, um, they'd have been you know, near 40 at halftime because that Tigers' yeah. first half was just, I'm not going to say atrocious because that is putting it far too politely. It was mm-hmm. utter fucking garbage. And especially and, like in at Leichhardt mm. and... As everyone's doing the tribute to Tommy Rodonigas. Yeah. The they, least mediocre human in, in history. Exactly. And they put in that effort. And like I, I'm watching it and I'm thinking to myself, and it's interesting that you said culture because I was thinking to myself, like, what is this? And I, I kept on coming back to culture. And I was thinking to myself, like, if I need it, there's, there's few coaches in the competition where I feel like they could build a good culture and Maguire is one of them. But when you bring in players that have been disregarded by their previous club or they didn't have a contract because they had off field problems and you do that enough, it yeah. doesn't matter what you're building, what you're trying to build. These players are coming together and the culture that they carry with them is not going to be good. Exactly right. And you look at some of the players they've signed, okay. So I know I've been harsh on Moses and by okay, but the one thing he brings to the club is a professional approach to how he takes you know, how he goes about what he does. Yeah. He's not someone who's in the media for all the wrong reasons. He mm-hmm. turns up, he trains his ass off and he plays to the best of his ability, which is not great half the time. But the effort's there. Yeah. And that's the reason why he got Tamo in the side. Yeah. Same reason. Bussy's backside, he's a utter professional the whole way through. You think, yeah, they're good signings. Adam Dewey's another one, apparently, who's, who's very much in that mould. Um, Dane Laurie's another one, very much in that mould. They were signings to try and help create a strong culture. And you're not you're not buying them because you think all of them are game-breakers. Only yeah. one of them is. But you're trying to create a culture of professionalism and hard work and that sort of ethic. But on the back of that... You then go and get Joey Loyalua. Yeah. He's an absolute fucking loose cannon at the best of times. Mm-hmm. And then you get James Roberts, who's had 
you know, more than his fair share of dramas over the last few years since leaving the Broncos. Yeah. Um, and you think, just just when you're on the path to doing the right thing, you veer off savagely to what the Tigers have always done, which means yeah. we keep doing what we always do. That's the problem with the club, is that it keeps making those shit decisions. They, everyone seems to think that they can find that diamond in the rough and have an absolute brilliant time. Very rarely does that happen. And the only time it happens is when you get an absolute freak talent and you get them focused on playing football. Mm-hmm. And the only really strong um, example of that is when Todd Carney was at the Roosters. Yeah, and it I mean, even then, it didn't last that It didn't long. last. But yeah. when they got him focused on footy, mm-hmm. he played Origin, he played for Australia, and he was, you know, I'm pretty sure he won a premiership. If he didn't, he went close. But, you know... He was fucking world class. Yeah. Just, you get him in that fleeting second, you get him in that right zone, you get him focused on what they're supposed to do, they're fucking fantastic. Problem is, as you find with those players, a lot of the times, they can't sustain it, they won't sustain it, and when they do go down, they bring everyone down with them. And so, I don't know what the fucking trade-off is. Why do we go for players who... And I say this more about Joel O'Lua than James Roberts. I think James Roberts has addressed a lot of his dramas. I think um, Joel O'Lua has the wrong approach to football. And it's not just at the West Tigers. It was his time at at Canberra as well. Yeah. Um, He doesn't have a footballer's brain. Maybe it's an accountancy brain. Who knows? (laughs) But he, when he gets in his moment and he's uh, about to have a fucking brain snap. He is not a team player. And that's what the club needs to be building, is a squad full of team players and building an actual team. What they've got right now is a bunch of humans. Yeah, and they've they've come from so many different directions and so many different um, situations. And, like... I, I felt like when they played the Roosters a few weeks ago, there was points in that game where they gave up. And this game against the Cowboys, I felt like they gave up a few times. And it was it's the first time I really thought, I don't know that Mark Maguire can fix this. And then I started thinking to myself, well, what's he fixing? And the thing is that, like, and it's not half, but there's a good portion of this this team that what he's trying to fix are broken careers. And, you know, that's pretty harsh. But, you know, the, there's so many players that turn up at the Tigers in in November and December. You know, that it's not like a long-term thinking. It's such short-term thinking. And he's got to fix that while he's also trying to fix a football club that's not producing as much talent as it should and while he's trying to clear the cap and stuff. And I just thought to myself like if he you know there's only so many times you can get up or you can get into a team there's only so many times you can go into that locker room and blast a bunch of grown men before they just switch off and that's a problem i think adam o'brien's going to run into at newcastle too because he's already done that about two or three times yeah and eventually they switch off and it's the first time i've thought with mcguire and we're like uh, can he do this? And it's not about his ability as a coach. 
it's just is this situation as it stands right for a Michael Maguire who you could put at a like if you put Michael Maguire at the the Broncos and this is nothing against Kevin Walters but it would be a real good move for the Broncos there's a bunch of teams where if you got a Michael Maguire you're in a good place and I just wonder if it's not the right situation for him and I, I do, I just really worry about when you see that, and I, I consider to give up from the Tigers. And, and man, when a team gives up, how many times do they un-give up on a coach? Yeah. Well, this is the thing is, I mean, you mentioned Adam O'Brien. I think Adam O'Brien's issue is that he's got a team that works reasonably well together, mm. but they constantly drift away from the game plan. And I think mm-hmm. that's what frustrates him so much is that the game plan is not complicated. Yeah. But for some reason, the Knights tend to drift away from it. The problem the West Tigers have got is their game IQ is non-existent. Mm-hmm. You see the amount of really dopey, I mean fucking dopey shit that that team does it from time to time. You know, the example is the week before against Parramatta and the side's down by eight points with, you know, Sorry, they were down by, yeah, down by eight points with eight seconds to go. Mm-hmm. They're ten meters from their own from their own try line, and then By does a chip kick cross field. Yeah, and Blake Ferguson catches and scores another try. Why do you even try that? Like, yeah. You're not going to win the game if you score a try from that. At that point of the match, the game is gone. It's lost. What you need to do is say, you know, let's just stop this right here and not concede any more points. And he went and gave six more points away. Yeah. And it's that it's that game IQ that the team just doesn't have. And so <laughs> you have a look at the way the Tigers get back into games at the moment. It'll be through one fluky try, mm-hmm. and then they lift their intensity. Mm-hmm. Oh, we can score points. They lift their intensity. And for a brief period of time, they'll put two or three tries on, not because they're brilliant, but because the way the rules are at the moment is momentum is king. Mm-hmm. So once you get momentum, you get a bit of possession, you can carry it for quite a few sets, and it, it should lead to points. You know, a lot of teams are getting back-to-back points, you know, back-to-back tries because of the way the rules are at the moment. It's easy to maintain possession and momentum for longer periods of time now. Um, so that's why the Tigers scored a bunch of tries in a short period of time. Problem is, when the game was on the line... They lack the IQ to close it out. They lack the IQ to put on more points and and win a match. They lack the IQ to get field position. Basic, basic stuff that every team should be able to do at any level. And any player should know how to do at any level before they get to the NRL. Yeah, and they're doing it against... They were doing it against the Cowboys team, Mm. who has a zero football IQ. Like, there were times there in that game... I remember at one point... Like, uh, I was going to call him Matt Daylight again. <laughs> Drinkwater, he he had put in some really terrible, terrible kicks. And there was one point where he put in a, another terrible kick and it just goes straight to a West Tigers player's legs and it comes straight back to him. And I'm like, man, that's another stupid kick by, by Drinkwater. He runs 30 metres across field, kicks it again, runs past three Tigers players regathers and scores in the in the, the in goal and i'm like 
what the fuck just happened? Mm-hmm. Like that he that there's this terrible kick by the opposition, and they've just sat back and watched him fix his 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 error. Yeah. And it's that sort of stuff where zero urgency, zero. And there were so many times where you just saw Cowboys players like running past Tigers players while the ball is in the Tigers in goal. Like how many times did that happen on the weekend? Yeah, this is the thing. I think there was a moment when. Dane Laurie went down. Mm. Not even a single Tigers player, Tigers player went over to check on him. Yeah. And just, it's like they, I'm not going to call them lazy. It's just like they don't care enough. They're yeah. not invested enough in the result or the club. And I don't know how you change that. I think Michael Maguire can do that. Yeah. But I think the best way to do it is to go, you know what? We're not going to go and spend a shit ton of money on bringing in all these superstars anymore. We're just going to try and look after some local juniors, try and get people who actually have dreams of playing for this club. Yeah. Because that's what worked in 2004, 2005. A bunch of young guys came along and they wanted to play for the Tigers. And Mm -hmm. you start to build a culture around that of people who who want the club to be successful. Now you're just getting in a bunch of blokes from all over the shop who just come for the money and... Or trying to save their careers, like yeah, it's the totally. last stop, you know. Yeah, and it's they're not playing like they're saving their careers. But if it helps That's them get true. another contract somewhere else, yeah, you know, it's a means to an end. Yeah, exactly. And it's or they're playing out what's left of their contract that another club signed them to, and and realised it was a bad mistake. You know that there's a mindset. There's there's something going on at the club, and. I just like that there's we've got some really bad teams in this competition this year, but of all of the things you do not want to see, it's that give up in a team. And I've seen it with the Panthers have had points where it's been like, oh man, they've given up. You know, when they would, when they had that season where they won the wooden spoon, they gave up in a lot of those games. And that's it. When I've just, I've never seen a club that's given up on a coach at any point in a game and it's turned itself around. And that's, that's the thing that really concerned me because this isn't a Michael Maguire thing. It's not him. And it just made me wonder, like, how do you fix this? If, if a Michael Maguire can't fix this, who the hell can? As I said, there's, there's a lot of things that need to change at the club and it needs to start with, having good leadership at the very top yeah, and leadership that is focused on getting local juniors into the first grade side and having that pathway set up so that they come into the team. And, you know, there's enough fucking juniors out there for that to be happening. We know this because every other team has them. Yeah. I'm not talking about their own juniors. I'm talking about they have West Tigers juniors in their teams. Yeah. And There's the thing no is reason too, like, why the Tigers shouldn't have them. The biggest rugby league city on planet Earth, if you had to rank which junior bases you would love to have, the first one would be Penrith, the second one would be the West Tigers junior base. Yeah. And then after that, it's like daylight. Yeah. They've got this absolute gift in their lap, and they're like, hmm. Who can we buy from another club? Yeah. And all it does, it's going to breed this environment amongst juniors of, 
I'm not going. To, I don't want to play for the West Tigers. I just want to play in the NRL. I don't care who I sign a contract with. Instead of coming through going, I can't wait to play first grade for the West Tigers. I want to play for the West Tigers. They don't do that anymore because they know the Tigers won't sign. They're too busy signing every other bloody player from all over the shop who they think might be able to give them, you know, a fluky half ass chance of making the finals once because that's all they're trying to do. They're chasing yeah. the tail, trying to build a team that can all work together once for one year, they make the finals, they can just ride on the coattails of that like they did 2005. Mm-hmm. Oh, we're back in the finals, you know. We'll be right for another decade. And there's there's something to be said about you juniors <coughs> knowing that the conveyor belt leads to first grade. I mean, I remember going to school with Panthers, like rep juniors, and like even back then, they they knew that the end of the conveyor belt they were on is a Panthers first grade spot if they were good enough, and a lot of them aren't. But it's good to know that that the goal is there and you're on that journey. Yeah, it, and that's just not the case with the West Tigers at the moment. And it, I just there's just so much that needs to change. But you hit the nail on the head when he said the change needs to start at the top. The the board needs to take responsibility. How long the CEO can be in his position with failure after failure after failure, like when is enough enough? And it it really does need to start at the top because you can't just keep this, you know, they're bailing water on the Titanic at the moment. Yeah. And, and it right. can't keep going. It can't keep, can't keep like... We joke about the ninth place team. At some point, it stops being a joke, and it is a failed football club. And there's no reason for them to be a failed football club. They've got a lot of very big leagues clubs behind them. They've got a great junior base under them. They've got a supporter base that as soon as they show any sort of like spark of being competitive, they they get crowds of 30,000 to the Stadium Australia. Like, we know that all of this stuff is there, ready to rock and roll. But it's the people that are running this club right now. At what point is it not good enough and they need to move on? Um, It's been not good enough on their behalf for many decades. Yeah, I agree. This is the thing is, you know, and this is not just attacking the magpies either because the our main management was in place that signed Alan Jones. Mm-hmm. That's where the shit started towards Bowman's demise. And that was in 1991. Mm-hmm. You have a look. They never, they never bounced back from 1990. They made the finals nearly every year throughout, you know, from 1983 to 1990. Made a few grand finals. Oh, one of the strongest teams, you know, around that period. And yet, they fell away, got a wooden spoon just four years after making the finals. Never returned, ended up folding and having to merge. The Magpies were not much different. They actually made the finals more recently than Balmain did. I think it was in 94, 95, something like that. Might have been 96 mm-hmm. even. Mm-hmm. And then just fell off a cliff as well. You know, Balmain's never had a massive area to draw on with Junior, so they've never been in a situation where they've been flush with locals to draw upon um, to bolster their, their local side. The Magpies have always had that, but because they've struggled for so often, 
they've had this mindset of we need to try and find top of line players elsewhere. Yeah. And so Bowman's inability to um to harness talent and and locate it based on the fact that they've never had a big area to work with to start with. And West's inability to turn what local juniors have got into stars and instead focus on trying to get stars that are already established elsewhere has meant that you've got this union of stupidity <laughs> that have got this magnificent, huge area landed in their laps and neither side of the merger has any fucking idea what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And so it's just left. And other clubs develop it. They take them away. There's Tigers fans, and they, they, they rue the fact that we, at one stage, had both James Tedesco and Ryan Pappenhausen at the club. And we let Pappenhausen go because Melbourne approached him, and we had Tedesco at the club. And we went, the club went, yeah, you know what? We've got Tedesco. He's obviously going to be the top-line fullback, so we, we, you know, we'll let Pappenhausen go. We can afford that. And Tedesco goes, I don't want to play for you guys anymore. I want to go to the Roosters. So he goes, and we go, oh, we've lost both our fullbacks. Mm-hmm. And so they just sit there and mope. Well, we don't have any fullbacks anymore. Yeah, you could afford to keep one of them. Yeah, and then, like, and I, I know I keep bringing it up and people are probably sick of it. Then, like, a Latrell Mitchell is a possibility. But they don't want to pay that much money for a, a player like him. So they let Souths do it, <laughs> you know. And the 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 thing of making do that is ingrained in the culture of both of the clubs that merged. And, and you know, I think of like remember when they brought in the great Ellery Handling many years after his best days were done, and then like like we could probably name a team full of of players along those lines of like. Oh, let's just make do with this guy. Let's make do with this signing, you know. And, and it's it's something that they're still doing to this day. And it's man, it's I can't imagine what it's like being a fan of the club, Andrew. Because every other club, you know, you you have your rises, you have your terrible falls, but you rebuild. The West Tigers don't rebuild. No, every other team, every team has had highs and lows, and they've returned to finals football. The Tigers don't know how to do that. Mm. They fluke finals appearances. Well, that's how it feels anyway. Yeah. We had 2010-2011 where we made the finals two years in a row. Had a very strong side on paper. And, you know, the world's best player at the time then, mm-hmm. Benji Marshall, playing he's the best football of his career. Yep. 2005. Um that wasn't a strong team on paper, but what it was was a team that was designed to exploit the rules the way they were at the time. Because you saw when the rules changed at the end of that year, and that club was barely you know barely changed for 2006. Mm-hmm. They had just a few injuries that year, and that side was not competitive at all for that yeah. season. Not even close. And it took them till 2010 to get back into the finals. You know, it's... It, it somewhat suggested there was a bit of a fluke involved for that 2005 season. I'm not saying that, you know, I'm, I don't care about the fact that they won the premiership. I love the fact they won the premiership. But you can't you can't dine out on that for 15 fucking years. No. But the time to dine out on that was like 
for two or three years after that, and then you move on. And it's... I would also I would also add to that. They have at, at that point they've got two of the better players in the world. One of them who is the best player in the world, and Benji Marshall, unquestionable, mm. and who can is one of maybe five players I've ever seen who could literally win a game on his own, didn't matter what the circumstances were. And I think it's fair to say they mishandled both players so terribly that they basically got to a point where they destroyed the relationship that these two players who absolutely publicly love the club and would do anything to play for the club, both of them ended up leaving and really broke those relationships down. And it's like, so, you know, when you do actually produce some incredible talent, you fuck that up as well. Yeah. It's yeah. so frustrating. I can't imagine what it's like to watch it because so, I, like I'm, I'm watching on the weekend and all I can think of is like poor Andrew, you know, after a while it becomes so frequent that you go from watching a Tigers game um, and you go from being hopeful, thinking, oh, you know, if they put in a good performance, they might win. Mm. That dissipates to the point where you start getting angry every time they lose. Yeah. And then comes a decade where you just make jokes all the time, just going, yeah, we'll fucking lose, you know. You just accept the fact that they're crap. Yeah. And then now we're into the period right now where we've joked about it long enough they should have they should have done something positive by now even they should even should have just fluked one finals appearance by now just by the you know sheer sheer statistics alone suggest they yeah. should have fluked a finals appearance by now and so now you go back to being like really really irate yeah. and it it read its head at Leichhardt over when mm-hmm. the, f- the fans booed the tigers yes um, and I saw Michael McGuire was asked about, you know, did the, did the players hear the, hear the booing? <laughs> McGuire went, yeah. And he said, how'd they feel about that? And he goes, it hurt. Mm-hmm. He didn't say he hated it. He didn't do what Tim Sheens did and called them so-called fans. Mm-hmm. He went, yeah, it hurts. They hurt it. And then sure enough, we saw in the second half, they came out, they put on 30 points and, you know short fucking time and you go mm. maybe it worked who knows it's um today andrew webster came on twitter and he said i know the tigers were poor but real fans don't boo their side as they leave the field i went the fuck are you mm. i said oh yes real fans should accept a decade nay almost an entire existence of their club being also rents mediocrity should be applauded and welcomed especially when dished up in spades on a day said club is commemorating someone who was never close to mediocre these upset fans are upset because these performances hurt it hurts because they've passionately sat through many years of this shit because they care real fans care if mm-hmm. we cheer and clap their failures they'll continue to deliver them thinking that shit house equals acceptable this idiot then went and replied back with some some fucking backflip. Um, trying to say that... Uh, <laughs> oh, 
I'm trying to remember what it was now. It was, it was something along the lines of, um, oh, I wasn't trying to say that I'm a better fan than anybody else. I'm going, you called people bad fans. Hmm. You said they weren't real fans. So, yeah, that's you saying you're better than them. Yeah. Don't sit there and fucking say that you're... Don't sit there and call them not real fans for caring about the team and wanting their team to be successful. A real fan wants their team to be successful. A shit fan just goes, yeah, whatever, it was just something we do and we go off and we don't worry about it, we move on and blah, 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 blah. A real fan cares. A yep. loss hurts someone who cares. Mm-hmm. That's why they boo. And you know what? If there was ever a team that deserved to be booed off the field, it was that West Tigers team that oh, first half. Atrocious. It was disgusting the way that the effort, the lack of effort they showed. And, they, I mean, they made the Cowboys look like world beaters. And, you know, on, on what should have been a very special occasion for the club, and they were putting that up. And, like, I I, I agree with you 100%. Yeah, you know, it's the response because you care. You know, if, if them stands were empty, and they have every right to be after so many years of failure. It it would that that's you know that shows that the fans have just been broken, and that the give credit to the people that are turning up. They're not broken yet, but no, it'd be damned because... if they'll sit there and watch these fucking players run out and put in such a disgusting performance while they've got. Tommy Rodonikus's jersey sitting on the sideline that they've retired for the game. And I, I I was disgusted as a footy fan. And when I heard them booing that team off the field, I was like, they deserve it completely. And it, they, all this stuff about you're not a real fan if you boo your team, that's bullshit. I remember when the Panthers were terrible, and they were ter- really terrible for a couple of seasons in the early 2000s. And I remember I would switch off games and think to myself, why should I watch these fucking players put them sort of performances in? Like, what am I doing to myself? And the next week, I'd, you know, watch them again. Yep. And I'd watch them again. But there was something at the end of that, and I knew that. When you're a West Tigers fan and you're like, man, what the fuck is at the end of this? And of, of all of those failures from 2010 onwards, and it's like, and they, this is like the end result. They're going to fucking lose to the Cowboys at home. Yeah, yeah. There is no end to it. It just no. continues. It just goes yeah. on and on and on. And what what should we do? Should we, yeah, you know, if we're not allowed to boo, what should we do? Should we say, all right, we're not going to buy any more memberships and then have the club fold because they can't afford to survive anymore? Mm-hmm. We don't want that. We want the club to exist. We want it to survive. We want it to be successful. So yeah, we'll we will boo them. We'll chastise them in public. We'll do what we have to to make them realise that we're not fucking happy. And it's and... not just about the players. Like, no. that needs to be remembered. It's not just, I'm booing these 17 players on the field. This is booing the club. That's the club. That's the thing. As I've said before, you have a look at the Tigers and the amount of players they've churned, the amount of coaches they've churned. It doesn't matter who the players are, who the coaches are. We've changed those so many times. We can't remember how many we've fucking had. Yet the the same shit continues to happen, which means there's something else that's the issue. It's not the names you got on the paper. It's not the person who's telling them what to do. Something else wrong at the club. And, yeah, we need to start going right. We need to look at the people running the club. Mm-hmm. We need to look at 
Justin Pascoe, who I'd just like to say as a side note, and I know you're aware of this, apparently there was some talk that he he had a bit of a whinge about the fact that Penrith had fans that were standing or sitting within 1.5 metres of one another of the ground. I don't care what the fucking story is. I apparently Penrith apologised for it. But you know what? After your team has put in a performance like that and has had the start of the year that they've had after, yeah, we're going, this is our 10th year since we last appeared in the finals. The last thing you should be fucking worried about is what some other club's fans are doing at their own fucking home ground. Get your head out of your fucking ass and look at your own fucking club, you stupid cunt. I'm fucking sick of this bullshit bitching and moaning about Penrith all the fucking time. You spend more time bitching and moaning about them than you do bitching and moaning about your own fucking club. I'm fucking sick of this prick. Yeah, and it's like, you know, if you put half as much effort into worrying about the job he's doing at the West Tigers as he does worrying about the Panthers, imagine how good the West Tigers might end up being. <sighs> like so fucking infuriating. I'm I'm sick of making jokes about him. Mm, and, and it's petty. It's like, and yeah. here's the thing, like, no one at Penrith cares about no. what his latest gripe is. He's got all of these gripes towards a club that literally does not give a fuck. Because he walked out on them, and he still got gripes with them. He seems to he, remember, he couldn't remember whether he walked out on them or whether he was sacked. And then it was revealed, oh, yeah, he left to take up the job at the West Tigers. What's his fucking gripe about? What, Ivan Cleary leaving? You fucking left? Why is it okay for you to leave, but the fucking coach can't? And furthermore, what fucking difference does it make? You got mm. in, you know, I think many people would argue at the time, that Michael Maguire, as a coach, is an upgrade on Ivan Cleary. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone would argue with that at the time. Ivan Cleary walked into a club that had been set up very well so that local juniors came through all at the right time, and they just needed to be guided, which is what Ivan Cleary is very good at doing. Mm-hmm. He's a mentor-type person. He guides them around, and he focuses on making sure teams do the bare basics and make sure that they do all that stuff very very well because he knows if you do that stuff good it's very hard to break you know break a team like that down and beat them religiously and then you can just allow your x-factor players to do their thing on off the back of it and sure enough success comes Ivan Cleary is not an idiot he's a very intelligent coach Michael Maguire likewise is not an idiot and so anyone saying that we need to get rid of Maguire I'd bark up the wrong tree. We've had plenty of coaches before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Maguire's not the problem. Maguire is not the problem. No, and we can't sit there and, and lump all the blame on a poor performing halfback either. And I'm not saying that we need to keep Luke Brooks, but I'm saying sacking Luke Brooks and sending him off to another club is not going to solve this problem either. Yeah. Because it is not the cattle that's the problem either. Yeah. As I said in another podcast episode, um, I think there's a mentality amongst all NRL players at all NRL clubs that the West Tigers are a team that never makes the finals. So we don't go there because we want to be successful. We go there because they're going to offer us money when no one else will. That's the mentality, and that's a culture that's amongst all of the NRL. Yeah. And... That's why there needs to be more focus on getting juniors who want to play for the West Tigers into that team 
to change that mindset amongst all of the NRL so that people go, oh, the Tigers are a good side again. I want to go there now. And they want to go because they want to be successful. And you know what? A really good example of that is the Gold Coast Titans, who I feel like it was a very similar situation for them for a lot less time than the Tigers have been through it. They started bringing through some good young players. They had the money available and aimed for the absolute best of the best they could get. They had a coach that, you know, it was untested in the NRL, but he had done enough last year that people were like, okay, you know, it's worth a chance. And now look at the Gold Coast Titans. I mean, they can, they can once again be one of those clubs where you can look at them and say, you know what, I go to the Gold Coast Titans. Not only am I going to play in the finals most likely, but if a few things work the club's way, could be playing in a grand final. And th- that sort of building just does, isn't happening at the, the West Tigers. No, I mean, you look at how atrocious the Titans had been for the last few years. Mm-hmm. Look at how atrocious the Knights were back in 2016, 17, 18. Yeah. Knights made the finals last year. Yeah. Titans are probably going to make the finals this year. Yeah, and like you look at the Knights as well. If, if they rebuilt they, that crap. And it was, it was like they not only – they were relying on a lot of – local players that weren't very good local players because they couldn't really afford anyone else. They couldn't sign anyone at the time and they just stuck with it. They built, they brought their juniors through. They made a couple of solid signings. Uh, Now, I mean, now Newcastle's at a point where you can look at their lineup and look, they had a bad, bad game on the weekend, but you know, say they signed an Adam Reynolds and, and that, you know, one extra good player in that side, they'd be a bloody good finals team that you wouldn't want to face. And, that, like, they're that close to being that level of club. The West Tigers, if they signed Adam Reynolds, I don't think they're making the finals. Adam Reynolds for a swap, straight swap tomorrow for Luke Brooks isn't going to fix the problems the Tigers have. They're too, they're too ingrained in the club. They're too big. Yeah. Yeah. They need to get an actual proper businessman who knows how to run a, a rugby league team. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the Sharks had a similar issue for a long time. Yes. And they went and got a smart operator. Like, I think it was... Um, Damien Kea? No, no, uh, before him. Went uh, to Manly after he'd been at the Sharks. What his name? He he came from the Wanderers, I think. The the soccer team. Yeah, I can't remember. L- L- Lyle Gorman. There's Lyle, Lyle Gorman. Yeah. Um, and he knew how to turn foot clubs or football clubs around and turn around cultures and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not saying he's the solution. I'm saying that that's what you got to do. You got to find someone like that who knows how to change things. And if it means you've got to make a big drastic change to fix things and set things, set things right, and they just come in three, four, five years, just go, right, this is my job. I'm going to make this happen. They come in, they, you know, bull in a china shop and make as much fucking mess as possible. But they get shit done and they fix things. They can leave and anyone can walk into that job afterwards and run it and it's a piece of piss. And that's the start 
Like yeah. that's the start point. That's yeah. not the finishing touch. That's not the, you know, and, and then we get this, the, the a different guy to lead the club in. No, that's where you have to start from because without that person in place, none of it happens. It's like when Phil Gould went to Penrith, you know, they needed somebody to come in and change anything that needed to be changed, which was absolutely everything. Yep. It was, uh, I, you know, I, I don't know who the Tigers get for that job. Obviously, I'm not someone who knows, you know, all the right people in that, that sector. I do know that you're probably not going to find them by advertising for the job on Seek. No. <laughs> which is something the Tigers, I think, had done before. Um, they're, they're an absolute mess. You know, the places I look... I look at the I I look at the Melbourne Storm and see who's available in terms of uh, your front office and your managers and things like that. Um, you know, at some point I do consider bringing Phil Gould in and saying, "Look, we saw what you did at Penrith. Can you do at least some of that here?" Like, well, and it should be easy because I mean, Penrith had to set up networks going into new areas like the whole going out to um, Bathurst and Lismore and places like that, and, you know, setting up things out there as well. Yeah. Western suburbs have had this area since 1908. Yeah. You know, that should already be done. That shouldn't be this long, hard, complicated process. They've had a 60-year head start on Penrith, at least. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's like the... It's like in all of Sydney, it is the growth area. It is the place that is going to almost be its own city in 20 years from now. Mm. It's going to have its own international airport. Like they are, it's an embarrassment of riches on their doorstep. It, it, it is not good enough for this club to be a joke. It, this should be like the shining light of Sydney NRL clubs. It, it, and it's it can't be left to be in this state. Something has to change, and the change starts at the top. It does. But, you know, so long as he's getting, you know, they're getting paid a decent money, they're not going to move aside. No. And that's, that's where they are. People go there because they get a decent job and a bit of a pay that they probably can get elsewhere. Mm-hmm. I mean, who else would hire Potato? I mean, Penrith obviously thought he was replaceable because he was, when he said he wanted to go, they said, hmm, fine, off you go. Yeah. He wasn't even running the club. Wasn't he marketing or some shit? I'm not sure, to be honest. Yeah, that's how much of an impression he made. Yeah. like when Look, when people were talking about he used to be the CEO, I can't remember him as the CEO. I'll be honest with you. And, you know, Penrith haven't got the highest profile CEOs and club chairman and stuff like that through their history. But, man, I don't remember him there at all. That's the thing. I mean, in my mind, you don't need to have someone who's high profile. You need someone no. who gets the fucking job done. I don't know who runs the friggin' Melbourne Storm. I know who, it used to be. I think who, it was who the Frank. Who runs the Melbourne Storm? I don't I know. I think it was Frank Canisi, but I think he's he's leaving the club. I'd say, so, yeah. I thought that he, was years ago that he ran the club. I don't know, but the thing is, they don't go into the media and, and talk all the stuff about you know what's going on there. Mm-hmm. They just they they realise that that's not their job. 
yeah, their jobs to run run the way the club functions and all the stuff behind the scenes. Well, you look at when the Brisbane Broncos were at their very best. It was a group of people whose names you very rarely heard of. Yeah. Like, and, and like, if you heard their names, you had no idea what they look like. <laughs> no, that's all right. <laughs> you know, oh, I've seen that name on paper somewhere before. Yeah. That's they they were it. like these shadowy figures. That's <laughs> <laughs> all they are. They were the, uh, the silent assassins in the back. Yeah. We don't know who they are. That's pretty much it. Uh, yeah. That I don't know. I don't know how the Tigers fix it. All I know is that I'm pretty confident that they will probably avoid the spoon because they always do, and that will be enough for them to go, oh, well, this season wasn't a failure because that's in their mind. A failure is finishing last. Yeah, and there are three teams this year who are abysmal. One of those teams just beat them at home, mm-hmm. but three teams that should finish one, two, three on the bottom of the ladder. And as you say, it's an, it's a... You know, it's a numbers game. The fact that the Tigers, just through sheer statistical weight of numbers, haven't made the finals this time. <sighs> See, I think another problem, just thinking about it now too, is the fact that the Tigers have never had a problem getting sponsorship. And no, so they've been all right in that money, area. Money, money has, money and support has been something that's always trickled in pretty solidly for the club. And I wonder how much of that would be impacted if the club did come last. And furthermore, I wonder if that's something that's crossed Michael Maguire's mind. Yeah. Because there's a comment he made at the very end of his press conference, uh, yes, on Sunday. And they said, do you think you'd be making any changes to the side? And he said, well, our reserve grade team's doing very well at the moment. And then he, that, was the end of the, that was the end of the press conference. And I went, really? Yeah. He just told all of his players that the blokes who are in reserve grade being paid far less than you are much better than you, and I'm looking at them now. Yeah. Um, I would like to see him go, you know what? Fuck the result this weekend. I'm going to bring a lot of those reserve blokes into the side. Yeah. Furthermore, I might just stick with them for two or three weeks. Don't care what the result is. I just Mm -hmm. want to see people putting in effort and appreciating the fact that they're in the NRL side. And get these blokes to go, you know what? That should be you out there. But you're not out there because you don't care about this side as much as they do. Yeah, and I I think that you could, without question, they are more talented. But I think you could name six players really quickly off the top of your head who, if they were sitting on the sidelines next weekend or for the next round and they were replaced by reserve graders who were not nearly as good as them. Like, I, I remember I used to say when the Panthers were terrible, I would rather watch a bunch, bunch of youngsters lose by 50 than a bunch of experienced, no-hope first graders lose by 50 who aren't going anywhere in their careers. You know, yeah, and, at least the youngsters got, are getting some experience. Well, this is the thing. The Tigers have got two very good young, you know, spine players. They, they could be bringing them in. People keep saying, oh, they're not ready yet. They're not ready yet. I'm going, not ready for what? They play football against grown men all, you know, every fucking week in reserve grade. They're killing it. Put them in the side. Put them on the bench and just ease them into the game. Give them 20 minutes a game, something like that, at the end of matches when everyone's tired so they can be protected a little bit. Ease them into it. 
How can you say they're not ready yet? Every yeah, we've had seventeen and sixteen year olds play the game. I think a bunch of eighteen, nineteen, and twenty year olds are going to be fine. Mm. There's only one way to find out: put them in the and, game. And and on that topic too, I mean, and we've we've spoken a little bit about him, but Luke Brooks, uh, this weekend, well, last weekend, sorry, against the Cowboys, for me, it was like we're done here. See, this is this is a thing with Brooks, okay? And it's something that I've noticed for a long time is when Benji Marshall was there, his job was, okay, we're trailing. What we do is we give Benji the ball and see what he can do. Mm-hmm. And that was a task that Benji took on his head. And when Benji left, but Farrah was there, it was like, oh, we'll give it to Farrah. He will do something. Yeah. Because Brooks is not a leader. And that's the problem we've got with him, is if you're going to be at seven, you've got to be able to lead your team around. He's not a strong communicator on the field. He's not a leader. No. He's a support player. He is the support act. That's what he does reasonably well. When he doesn't have Benji and Farrah there, like he has right now, he seems to think that, okay, now I've got to try and do what they used to do. Problem is, those two, supremely more skilled than Brooks supremely more skilled. I don't think there's any argument about that at all. Even when they were in their, you know, early to mid thirties, still, still brilliant compared to Brooks. Um, and so now he's trying to do stuff to try and help the side win games at, you know, and he's trying to help them win games in situations where they've got behind on the scoreboard, not because of him, but he's now trying to do something to win the game for them, but he doesn't have the skill set to do that. And so more often than not, you see him doing something, playing a lone hand, which, and because he's a poor communicator, no one goes with him. And you see, I reckon he must be one of the most tackled halfbacks in the game, especially on the fourth tackle. Mm-hmm. And that's horrible because it means you don't have your halfback in play for the last tackle when you need to kick or set up a try or something like that. Yeah, He has a good passing game. He has a good kicking game. He has a good running game. He's got all of those. He doesn't have the X-factor game to make something out of nowhere because he's a support player. Yeah. That's what he is. As I said before, if you had a, he had a good seven next to him, you can carry him perfectly fine. He'd be, he, you wouldn't be a drama. But when he's your chief playmaker, he is nowhere near good enough. Yeah. If they're going to get rid of him, they need to get a genuine, experienced, quality seven at the side who can lead the club and tell everyone what's going on. Because that's the problem. that They don't have a voice at halfback. And, you know, you find me a club that doesn't have a voice at halfback and that you're, you're what you'll find is a team that is shit. Yeah. Perfect, I mean, classic example. You look at the Titans when they had Ash Taylor at halfback. Mm-hmm. You know. He has a decent skill set. He just didn't have a command of that team. So they were always crap. And that's the problem you get. It's what the Cowboys have got at the moment. They don't have a commanding halfback who can lead the team around the field. Yeah. You need that. You need to have that. It's 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 a fucking non negotiable. It's gotta be in place. It's why Mitch Moses is doing so well at halfback at Parramatta. He is a communicator. He doesn't. He's not afraid to tell people to, you know, 
lift their fucking game or where they've got to be or or run plays and stuff like that. It's the reason why Parramatta wins games because of him. He's a leader. He's at seven. That's what you're supposed to do there. See, and, and for me, that's why if I'm the West Tigers, I, I can't go forward with Brooks because I, I've wanted that from him for so long. Yeah. And he's just, he is the player he is. And I think that, you know, if you have a halfback that doesn't do all of those things that are the basis, I mean, we've seen some far worse halfbacks than Luke Brooks in terms of their skills, their abilities and stuff who have performed better simply because they've got a halfback set on their shoulders in terms of they will tell their team where they want them. They'll direct players around the field. They'll, they've got that, that spark about them where they're like, I, I'm a ballsy enough player and halfback to go and do something in a situation like this. And Brooks just doesn't have that in him. And that's fine. That's all right. But if I'm the West Tigers, I can't go forward with that. I need more from my halfback. And, and yeah, on the weekend, I, I just watched how passive he was in that performance. And I, I just, if I was at the club and I was in charge of making the decisions, I, I just couldn't do it anymore. I, I've got to look to move on and actively move on and say to him, look, Luke, we're going to go in a different direction next year. If you can find somewhere else, We'll support you to go there, but we've made that decision for us and for our future. Yeah, I think he's had more than his fair share of opportunities. Yeah. Um, And look, I wouldn't be surprised if he went somewhere and in the right situation, he's great. But the West Tigers situation is not the right situation for either party at this point, I don't think. No, as I've said before, if you put him next to a team that's got a, a, a very good halfback, you'll find that you'll get plenty of good quality uh, footy out of him. Mm-hmm. We've seen it at the Tigers when when, the, when when he played at his best. He had a good half beside him, mostly mm-hmm. Benji. So we know he can do it. It's just that the club doesn't have a good halfback very often. And Benji's more of a 5 anyway than a halfback. He's just because yeah. he's so, so skillful and he's been able to modify his game a bit. He's been able to... Um, be a halfback better than Brooks's. Yeah, which is a indictment on Brooks more than anything else. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I've I'm in a situation where I don't mind if the club keeps Brooks if they sign a top line halfback. I'm also in a situation where if they say we don't want Luke Brooks anymore, I'll be like, no skin off my nose, I don't care anymore. Yeah. There's very few players at that club who I'd expect the I expect the club to hang on to. Very few. Yes. Yeah, I think at this point, the only one I would say I would be, like, it's it's really, man, it's like Dane Lorig. That's that's about the only one I, I would really be pissed off if they let go of him. And they're not about to. He's been fantastic for them, even in losing efforts. But everyone else, I think, is... If they're not expendable, they're replaceable by a, a somebody else who is, you know, just a better than average first grader, to be honest. Like, it, it's so disappointing. It's it's rotten when your team's in this situation. And it's like, how many times do you can you look at a club and say, well, I need a rebuild. 
It's like, fuck, this rebuild's been going on for a decade. The Tigers are never committed to a full rebuild, though. Yeah. They've always done part of one. Yeah. That's because they've never seen themselves as being a failure because they've never won a wooden spoon. That's that's what their marker is. Okay, we know we've done bad when we've come dead last, but because we haven't done that, we know we're better than some teams, therefore we're okay. Their marker isn't getting into the top eight. Their marker is not finishing last. Yeah. That's a cultural thing that they've got there, and that comes from the fact that even pre-merger, both Balmain and West were just, they they were never a team that challenged the top eight sides. Mm-hmm. And, you know, to mentality brought into the merger. We've got 30-year-olds now who've never who've only seen, you know, either they've only existed during Bowman or West making the finals three times. Yeah, it's crazy. This is a club that's, you know, been around longer than the Illawarra Steelers were. Yeah. You know, which is insane but to think about. They've only they've been around just two years, uh, two years longer than the Melbourne Storm. Yeah. Oh man, it's it's and Melbourne's in a completely different city with no local juniors whatsoever. They have to get their juniors from two states north. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the Tigers have a massive junior nursery in their fucking lap. I I I can't understand how they are so fucking dire in every aspect of what they do other than getting sponsors. That's the only thing they do decent. And, I mean, is that what they think is their marker of success? Is, oh, we've got sponsorship money and we've, the balance sheet's good. If that's what your marker is for success, you're not aiming high enough. Yeah, that's not the... That's that's a team that shouldn't be in the NRL. If, that, if, well, if their marker is, well, we're getting by, that's not an NRL club. I mean, it's improvement on what Bowman and West were doing prior to the merger. Yeah, yeah. Is getting by. Yep. But um, that that um, that idea, that ideal, and that mentality is something that comes from someone who's done a lot of either PR or marketing and stuff like that, where it's all about just how much money you're making. Because I heard the Tigers in the past, him and you know, Potato and. Um, that uh, that lady they had as running the club before, Marina Go. Yes. They often talked about how they were doing, how well they were doing financially, mm-hmm. as if that was the only thing that mattered to the club. Yeah. I think that's something that needs to change. And I don't know. I hope they hang on to Michael McGuire. I don't see him as the problem yet. No. Um, and I hope he he does what needs to needs to happen. Is he goes? You know what? We need to just bite the shit for a year. Let's make it this year and just put the broom through the fucking place. Yeah, because you would, I mean, you would rather come last and go through your entire New South Wales Cup team, your your elite juniors, get flogged every week, but know what you've got and know where your future is than just, the treading water bullshit for another year. You know what? No one, no one who supported the Magpies in 98, 99 booed that team. Even though they were getting flogged by 40, 50, 60 points every week. Mm-hmm. They didn't boo them because they knew those players went out there and they gave everything they could 
They just weren't talented enough at that level. But they knew those guys were busting their fucking asses for that side. Mm-hmm. And I would take that team over anything the West Tigers have dished up in recent years where they just turn up for the money and they just toddle along and do whatever it takes to get paid. I want to see a team of people wearing the jumper who are passionate about wearing it and they want to see this team being fucking successful. Not themselves, the team. Working together. I haven't seen teamwork within the West Tigers Club for fucking years. And yeah, it's and so th- frustrating watching them. Simple things like communicating in defense, communicating in attack, running basic plays. Remember when the Tigers used to have scrums, you know, scrum plays? Yeah. They don't have any plays anymore. They don't have defensive communication anymore. They will just go out and do it, you know, whatever one person wants to do. Oh, I'm going to run up on him. Yeah, well, oh, I better look after this. Oh, do this. Oh, fuck, another try. Going, oh, well, fuck it. Yeah, who cares? There's always next week. Blah, 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 blah. And that's the fucking attitude. It's got to change. And the only way you're going to change, you get people there who want to wear that jumper. That's the only way you're going to change the culture on the within the playing group. But there's so much more that needs to happen above that as well. Yeah. It's going to take a long time. But as long as they think that success is not coming last, they'll just keep finishing within the bottom bottom half of the draw forever. Because that's, that's, that's acceptable for them. That's... That's success for them. We've got sponsors, we've got money in the bank, and we're not finishing with the wooden spoon. That makes us a success. Yep, we're a, we're a top 12 team. Yeah, well, top 14. <laughs> as, long as, we're, as long as we're not in, as long as we're above the top, you know, somewhere in the top 15, we're good. We're good, yeah. That's all well, I you want. know, there's, there's other stuff we could have talked about tonight. But I think we should just keep it to the West Tigers talk because this has been really uh, it, it. This was a podcast we needed to do, and I knew this was a podcast we needed to do. Twenty minutes into that game, and uh, we've talked a lot about the West Tigers in the past, but I, I knew that the tone of this podcast was going to be different to other ones, and I, I'm glad we did it. I will say too that that's the uh, I I don't miss any. I don't miss many footy games. I definitely don't miss Tigers games. And even though we were in the car coming home on the weekend from, you know, seeing my parents in the country, which was just fucking amazing to go back and do that again and get away from civilization and go back to living analog for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I still got my phone out and I was watching the game. I, was watched, I watched most of the game before the Tigers game on my phone. I was watching the Tigers game. And after a while, I went, I would rather be playing a golf game on my phone <laughs> than watching this shit. Mm. And I turned it off at half time. Yeah. And then when I saw the score and the Tigers are coming back, I said, I don't care. Yeah. It didn't spark me to want to watch it. Yeah. So we listened to the radio and talked about our weekend. You made the right just, choice, I reckon. Just enjoyed the journey home. Yeah. Made it and just made sure we finished the weekend the way we started it. Happy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I did want to come home and be, have the shits about that. Save that for the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime you get to get angry as a journey podcast, it's really good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Look, I, 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 I 
I'm sorry that you have to go through that as a fan. I can't imagine what it's like. And I did. I, I watched the game and I just, I felt, I just felt really bad for West Tigers fans. And I, I talked about it um, with Nadine. She, she invited me to the Panthers game uh, last Friday night. It was an amazing experience. Um, we had a, a really fun time watching the game and we, I mentioned it to her. I said, man, that, that West Tigers game, I, I just felt sorry for Andrew and for West Tigers fans because, you know, a footy fan can only put up with that sort of stuff for so long before it's just too much. And it's been too much now for too long for West Tigers fans. And um, I don't want to see any supporter base. You know, that you can not like teams and not like players and stuff, but, man, footy supporters... They've got more in common with you than they do other people. And that's what we need to remember sometimes. And so, you know, West Tigers fans going through that with their team. I, I've i I've been through a couple of terrible seasons with my club. I know it sucks. I can't imagine what it's like to have 10 terrible seasons in a row. And I just, I don't want to see footy fans going through that. I want to see every club and every footy supporter have a moment where they can celebrate being grand finalists or being super competitive or winning a grand final because being in the doldrums for so long, I don't want to see that for any footy fan. So I, I just was pretty down about that game when I watched it. Yeah, it's, I think for me, the one thing that pisses off a lot of fans is the fact that and it, it showed for a lot of fans in their minds anyway, I'm not saying it's true or not, but showed to showed to a lot of fans just how little these players cared mm-hmm. when they had an opportunity to go out there and play in the memory of one of the most passionate Magpies players ever, mm-hmm. Tommy Rodonicus, and that's what they dished up. They should have ripped the fuck in. Yeah, they should have been running off the back fence trying to bloody smash the living shit out of people. Yeah. Yeah. Tommy Rodonicus was half the size of every single player out there except Luke Brooks. Yeah. And he had far more fire and far more balls every single week than the shit they dished up. And if they can't get up for someone like Tommy Rodonicus in his memory, then they can't get up for anything. They, they're they not interested. Simple yeah. as that. Yeah. And I, I seriously hope Maguire does wield the axes, not just for one week as a token gesture. No. I think the only way you, you get your point in is you make it for a few weeks and you, you eat a few losses. But you know what? Who cares? We're losing anyway. Mm-hmm. These guys need to be told, if you want to get a contract at another club, you've got to earn it. Just like if you want to be playing in the NRL, you've got to earn that right. And right now, the guys in reserve grade, they're winning games of football. Therefore, they're better than you because you're all losers. Mm-hmm. This is, he's got to make this personal. Simple as that. Attack them personally. Attack their fucking ego. Make it personal. You know, that's what Tommy did so effectively. That's what Michael Maguire has done in the past, apparently. It's something that he's good at. He's, he's getting people up for games. But you look at his face after that loss in the in the post-match presser, he's, he's stumped. Yeah, it, it was, uh, and and that's the thing about that game. It's like, man, where do I even start? 
you know, and one of the best coaches in the game. And, like, you know, a, a good coach should be able to go into any team and make them play better. But there's only so much you can do to make 17 men, you know, do what you want them to do on a well, footy field. I mean, the worst thing about them at the moment is their defence just keeps getting worse every week. Yeah, that's the thing. We've got 15 weeks now of conceding 20 points minimum every mm. game. And as I found out with some stats uh, a few years ago, if you score 19 points or more in a game, you are a better than 50% chance of winning. And the Tigers are conceding 20 points every game. Hence, they're not winning many games. Yeah. You, you, have, to get your, you have to get your opponent scoring less than 19. They can't do it. You can't stop that. You're not going to stop the losses. Simple as that. Yeah. Anyway, put put short. Um, if you did want to hear the whole thing, um, West Tigers are fucked and they're shit house. <laughs> Spoiler alert! <laughs> Spoiler alert! I just sort of put park that at the end. Um, you know, for the rest of the week's podcasts, a couple of the things I'd like to talk about is what we think will be the uh, effect of a possible return for the under-20s competition. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, and we'll see what else comes up during, you know, There's during few, the next few days. A few new things. We won't get into them now. Yeah, um, we'll do that. They they kind of need their own podcast, so yeah. we'll do that, yeah. I will just say, too, um, there's an, an experts footy tipping competition. Have you seen it? I don't know what you're talking about, Andrew. <laughs> last week. <laughs> last week. Because I've, I've not seen the results this week, so I can only go off last week. I haven't seen the results this week either. I'm guessing they're up, so I'm going to have a look at them. But there was this bloke at the top of this list out of all the experts. The most expert of experts. Do you remember who it was? <clears throat> all I remember is that he was extremely good looking. Um... And that was the main thing I got out of it. Hung like a horse? Allegedly. Don't believe the (laughs) rumours. You made the horses blush. So if you go to (laughs) whotippedwhat.com, right, it's all basically all of the experts, Telegraph, Triple M, but some websites, Fox Sports and stuff like that. Last round, I was leading the competition ahead of Greg Alexander, and I he he tipped one different than me last weekend. He tipped the Manly Seagulls to beat the uh, the New Zealand Warriors. So now we're equal. Oh no, he's ahead by one. So he's ahead by one now. Um, and I I the the one I buggered up was the West Tigers one. I didn't see the West Tigers come from. You know, losing to the Cowboys. That was ridiculous. And the game on the weekend between the Dragons and the Eels was absolutely unbelievable. So I wasn't even upset to lose that one. I I did a match report on this one, and I I pointed out that in a a fortnight where all we've been talking about is how much points are being scored and how big the margins are, this game was decided purely on the magnificent defense of the Dragons. Mm-hmm. Ravalawa and Lomax were just, they were a fucking wall. 
They really were. And, like, it, it was weird because it, go, going into the game, like, just before it kicked off, you're like, okay, it was going to be up for a big performance here. And it was like the Dragons just were like, no. I dacked them. Yeah, and did it for 80 full minutes, didn't let up one bit. And, like, when you contrast the way they played against the way they were playing last year under Paul McGregor, like, uh, Anthony Griffin, I'd, you can't say he's a bad coach anymore. He's got a worse team than Paul McGregor had last year, and he's doing so much more with it. It is unbelievable, and he's got to be the early, early favorite for coach of the year. Uh, you know. He's probably getting a fair bit of help there, especially on the defence side from his uh, his trusty assistant. Well, I was thinking, right? We've got the architect for for Trent Barrett. Yeah. What would what would you call Matthew Elliott? And the only thing I could come up with was like the demolition man. <laughs> <laughs> he's the uh, he's the dynamite. Yeah. Uh-huh. We, I might, we might have to change that. We might have to, I don't know, we might have to call him the Great Wall. The Great Wall. The Great Wall of Elliot. I don't, I don't know what <laughs> type of herbal tea he's drinking at the moment, but it's working. Yeah. It's probably one that's got, maybe maybe he's on that, um, oh, oh, Sultana brand. Sultana brand? Yeah, it binds you up a bit, keeps you regular at the same time. Okay. Yeah. Got a bit of that gear. I tell you what, they they really come out and they put one on the eels. And uh, look, it's very early in the year. It is very, very early in the year. But the eels are a team you can put one on. Like, yeah. they fit, you know, they're not quite at the same level, right? But there's a little bit of that North Sydney about them, hey? <laughs> that 90s North Sydney team where looks great can look like world beaters. You look at their lineup, great forward pack, really dangerous back line, good halfback and stuff, but you put one on their chin and it's all over. Yeah. You just wait till the till it gets um to the pressure part of the year. Mm-hmm. That's when you you gotta see what they're made of. Mm-hmm. Just like the Bears. Yeah. Weren't the Bears weird like that? They were. I think you'll find too that um I might do some research on it one day. It won't take long. They they might have had one of the best win percentages in regular season rounds throughout the 90s. Yeah, for sure. Like, I'm trying to think of a year where they weren't a, a, at least a finals team. Keeping in mind, at one point, that it was only a top five, and then yeah. it expanded as the 90s went on. I can't think of them ever not being a contender for the finals. And, like... Definitely 50% of the time, they look like a team that if things went their way, they were like top th- a top three team, possible premiership winner and stuff. And yeah, they were just missing something. Just that last little bit of starch. Mm. Yeah. It makes you wonder how much would have changed if they had won a premiership late in the 90s, whether they'd still be around. It does, yeah. And like, I, look, I remember, and I talk about it a little lot on the podcast, the game where, and it was the Parramatta Eels, like, completely destroyed their soul. And uh, it was incredible to watch because North Sydney went in as favourites in that game. And Parramatta just said, we're going to go out and 
bash the shit out of them. And they did that. And Norths were never the same after that. And I mean, they, they disappeared within a few years. Yeah. Well, yeah. Parramatta and the rain. Yes. We can't, we can't forget the rain in Gosford. I think, I think the rain was probably more, more harrowing to their soul than Parramatta. <laughs> such a weird, like, such bears, a weird end. I wonder if Bears fans look out in winter when it's raining and just look outside and cry and go, why? <laughs> why rain? Why'd you have to do it to us? It's weird, though. When you, like, when you think of the crowds on the Central Coast, and they've never been great, but when you think of the crowds on the Central Coast, you think of the success Manly ended up having eventually and how they needed to rebuild and just things that happened along the way. I wonder if North Sydney would have actually been able to survive on the central coast. I think they probably would have. You reckon? Yeah. I think they could have made that move comfortably enough. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the rain. It's a it great happens. story. It does. Yeah. Rain does happen occasionally. Yeah. It's unfortunate. If they had, if they had have made that move during El Nino rather than La, La Nina, yeah, man, North, they should, they should have factored that in. Yeah, amateurs, a big <laughs> what if in rugby league history? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> what if North Sydney knew about the weather cycles of El Nino and La Nina? <laughs> and ironically, just a little bit down south. They love it when it rains during construction because it means that they don't have to wear their asbestos masks. Exactly right. I saw they were digging up the ground, actually, at, at Brookvale recently. Did you see yeah, that? Yeah, they're, they're building at what they're calling a centre of excellence on the hill, that right. hill area, which I'm guessing they're going to also put a stand on that hill. I was going to say, are they building out of fibro? <laughs> I hear it's going pretty cheap. <laughs> Do one of those knock-up sheds from from Bunnings. Yeah, well, look, I've sat on the that exact hill when I went to the one game I went to at uh, at Brookie, and it, it they're not losing anything losing that hill. No, they're not. Um, I, I just saw it being dug up, and I went, "Ooh, is that safe?" <laughs> Ooh, you know, you get that automatically concerned. So you know, I went, shouldn't they put tarp over it or something? I think they actually do put tarp over it, hey. <laughs> oh. When I see it, I think, man, that must be weird running out and there's just no fans on that part of the ground. And then you see the rest of their, their you know, ground and that's like, oh, no, they're probably used to it. Yeah, they've still got COVID lockdown in Manly. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got to laugh about other teams occasionally. Um, Speaking of which... Speaking of which, we own the Viking Club now. Oh, yes, yes. It's ours. Apparently, yeah. Well, the Sharks owned it for a while. They did, but now it's ours. Like, yeah. And then the, the Raiders sort of got it back, and it was pretty good, but now it belongs to the Penrith Panthers. Um, what are you going to keep it, it for a while? What are you going to call it now, though? You can't call it the Viking Club. That's the Raiders' name for it. I was wondering if you could call it something a bit more Penrith and just call it the clap. The clap. <laughs> Have you got the clap? 
Hey, do you want the clap? Do you want the clap? <laughs> I, picked up, I picked it up at the Panthers footy game on the weekend. <laughs> I already got the clap. <laughs> oh, there we go. Yeah. Um, I suppose we should wrap this one up, eh? Yeah, it's been a good one. It's been. I hope it's been cathartic for you. Um, it probably should be. Yeah. I dare say I'll be doing the same shit next Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, I look forward to next next week's post-mortem. I'll just be going, fuck! <laughs> right, that's the end of that episode. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Every week, five seconds of me swearing. Um... Yeah, make sure you check us out on Twitter and Instagram at Fergo Freak Pod. We're on LinkedIn, YouTube, MySpace. Um, what else was there? Facebook. Uh, Facebook, yep. Yeah, so I'll check us out on all those. Like, subscribe, share us around. Uh, I see you've been doing it too recently on, on those platforms. That's fantastic. Um, we've got some emails we're going to read at an episode very soon. I'd actually do it in the next episode. Yeah, we got heaps of emails. Sorry we didn't yeah. get to it on the weekend. That was my fault, and then this today we had to do this one. We just had to. Well, it wasn't really your fault. We, were, I, I also went to the bush. So yeah, we that's were, a good point, actually. We were all gone. Yeah, we just we just disappeared yeah. over the weekend. We just we just did a West Tigers defence and just disappeared. Yeah, we just kind of looked at each other and went, oh, "I'm not doing this." Yeah, that was it. We went went in our different directions. <laughs> <laughs> like watching Joey Leilua and North Luma on the wing. Two separate directions. <laughs> yeah, we don't know which way uh, Leilua went. North Luma's figuring out, sitting around going, hang on, I've got two people now. <laughs> sitting there with his arms out going, which one do I take? Which one do I take? <laughs> While Lua's running off somewhere because someone said something, said said Luciano was had poo-poo breath or something like that, and Joey gets offended. He's got to look after his bigger, better... <laughs> Mina, brother. <laughs> yeah, good look after him. Yeah. Oh, fucking hell, Joey. Um, yeah, that pretty much wraps it up. Yeah, thanks. thanks everyone for listening and thanks for sharing the podcast around. Um, and oh, yeah. make make sure you uh, leave a leave a comment mm-hmm. on the uh, on your podcast listening app and give us a five star rating on there, and uh, we'll read out your review on the podcast as well. Yeah, it's been a huge trickling in. We want to see a heap more though. Heaps more. Yeah, give us your give us your favourite recipe of the most obscure thing you've eaten that no one else would eat. Oh yeah, and don't listen. Hey, I know you lot. Don't name names. <laughs> That's exactly. And and no, the only thing we will ask for is don't give us any shitty pe- Papa John's pizza fucking recipes. We don't want that shit. <laughs> Ooh, want, I don't know. That'd be interesting. Nah, so we we want food you can eat. We don't want that. We don't have that fucking tripe. Microwave vomit with on pizza with fucking carrot and corn. Tuna and corn and stuff. <sighs> oh, it's hard. Anyway, that's a good note to end on. Thanks for... Um, I suppose... Um, what's the word I'm looking of? Th- thanks for entertaining me today as I had an epic whinge. And uh, if you don't like it, let me know. But no one's complained, so I'm just going to keep doing it. (laughs) Sound fair enough? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Thanks, everyone. Catch you next time.